this is Liren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with David Tamarkin, the editorial director at King Arthur Baking Company, prolific food writer and cookbook author. David's editorial experience in food writing can be found in some of the food world's top sites and publications, including Gourmet, Time Out Chicago, Epicurious, and more, as well as his cookbook, Cook 90, the 30-day plan for faster, healthier, happier meals. The team at King Arthur recently updated and released a revised version of the Essential Cookie Companion Cookbook, which is perfect for all the cookie lovers out there. I am so excited to welcome David to the podcast. Hello. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. I am That's so excited to really chat with nice you. Really welcome, by the way. Oh, you're very you're welcome. Good. Well, you have quite quite a, a litany of experience. It's just amazing. Um, well, but- it's because I'm old, but yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's funny when people say like, oh, he's written for gourmet, which I put on my bio because when I was starting out, that was like my dream gig. I wanted to have a byline in gourmet magazine, and now people are like, what is that? Sadly, they're like, what is that? It's oh, been no. so long since it's it's been gone for almost ten years now, which is crazy. Great. Well, I certainly know what gourmet is or was, and so I'm old too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? It's a good question. I don't know if I, I don't know if this is truly the first thing I ever cooked, but I think definitely one of the first things I ever cooked was pancakes. And I remember that because I remember going up to my parents' bedroom very early on a Saturday morning waking them up because I was trying to surprise them by making pancakes for them. But of course I didn't know where anything was. I didn't know how to do it. So I was like going up there again and again, like, okay, now how do I do this? Or where do you, where's, where's the measuring cups? And finally my mom just got up. She's like, I'm coming down. Like (laughs) you want to do this with you. Um, And my love of pancakes is still deep in me. I make pancakes for myself, just for myself. My partner doesn't like pancakes um, at least (gasps) twice a month, you know, well, I'm glad you're still making it for yourself. Who doesn't like pancakes? Ah. <laughs> I know. Don't get me started yet. <laughs> Could you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and what life looked like before you joined King Arthur Baking Company? Because you've had quite the career leading up to now. Yeah, sure. Um, before King Arthur, I was at Epicurious and I was the site director there for, I think, about seven years, which is a lifetime at Condé Nast, which is the parent company of Epicurious. Um, most people cycle in and out of there pretty quickly. I was so excited to be there because I went, I joined right when we, or Epicurious, I guess we're not, I'm not a we anymore because I'm not there anymore, but I joined right when Epicurious was relaunching and kind of switching up its identity. And it was so exciting to go and work at a brand that had been around for 20 years, which is a long time on the internet. If you Mm -hmm. think about that, I always used to remind people, Epicurious was around before Google. Epicurious was there before Yahoo. I think it was like website number 1030 or something like that. Um, So it's a very uh, established and and, and, uh, old for the internet website. And it was just so exciting to go there and refresh it. Um, And what... I hope I, I kept from the site was its inclusiveness and its um, just real focus on home cooking. Because before that, I was a restaurant critic and wrote mostly about restaurants. You know, you mentioned I wrote for Gourmet and and for Bon Appetit and for and I was the critic at Time Out Chicago. I was really writing about restaurants f- for the national scene 
from Chicago. I, I was really wanted to be like the Chicago person. Um, mm. But after doing that for 10 years, I just felt like I really wanted to focus on home cooking. So I was really excited to do that. And I thought it was important in food media to have a space that was super, super tightly focused on home cooking because restaurants and chefs, obviously, those are wonderful, you know, topics to, to focus on. But they were getting, I felt they were getting all the attention and no one was paying attention to the home cooks and the home bakers. The little guys. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> or the things that you do, you know, the, 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 that's what we do day in and day out, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's what a lot of us do. I mean, we're doing it every day, day in and out. And that's what my cookbook's about, you know, like doing how to make it work. How do you make daily cooking three meals a day work? Cause it's, cause it's tough. And, um, but it's also a joy and it helps when you have, you know, people like you and I talking about it and, and helping the cook along the way. And I would just say that coming to King Arthur, it's got really real similar vibes, right? Like, like Epicurious is all about like helping the home cook and being there, being a resource for the home cook. And King Arthur is that, it's just, it's just all about baking. And that was really sort of always where my heart was anyway. Like I never could say it when I was Epicurious, but I, but, but my team knew, like, I was always like, well, let's do, let's do another cake this month. Or let's do a whole, let's do a dessert package. Or let's do a, let's do, let's do pancakes. You know, let's do, like, I was always just wanted to, talk about carbs and baking and bread. Um, and so now I get to do that full time. It sounds like it was a natural transition for you to go from Epicurious to King Arthur. Um, I'm curious, well, before we talk about the transition to King Arthur, I'm also curious, you ushered Epicurious through so many changes. I mean, social media is changing every day. There's always an algorithm change. What was it like ushering it through those seven years or so? It's really interesting, and that's a question that not a lot of people ask, so I think it's a really insightful question. Definitely were years when we were focused on Facebook, right? Like, Facebook was everything. That's where we got all of our traffic. Um, and so we were really sort of aligning our content with the Facebook algorithm. And I will say that those are the years when I'm least proud of the content. We were, you know, doing, you know, I would say we always try to avoid clickbait, but at a certain point, like you had to do these, you had to be topical. And that was sort of weird for a site that is so evergreen as, as Epi is. Um, Epi is, you know, home cooking is, is not newsy. It's not, it's not newsworthy. It's something that happens every day. It's something we've been doing since the beginning of time. Right. So we've been finding our food, gathering our food and preparing it to eat it. Um, so to try to like, relate cooking to the news like to you know i remember we had this uh big story take off when uh during the uh, i guess it was the 2016 presidential campaign uh where um i forget the details but basically you know when there were leaks coming out of the documents were being leaked from the from hillary's campaign uh, and there was a spaghetti recipe in there or something like that and we wrote about it and that like took off I'm like that's like great we had a win we got lots of traffic that day but like that's not what epicurious is so i was really happy when we could like tear ourselves away from that and and just say you know what in fact not all of our traffic comes from facebook we get much more traffic from search people who are just going to the computer every day and be like i need meatballs i need you know i need you know coffee cake those are the people we're going to focus on. So really be able to pivot back to the core of what who we were and just give really good cooking advice, really good recipes was, uh, that's when, when I was most proud. But yeah, it's, it's a roller coaster. Like, as, as, as you probably know, like, you know, 
is, is it is it is it do you have to pay attention to instagram is i'd be curious can I get on tiktok now i i <laughs> i don't know where they're going but i but, but we, i was able to resist that at least while i was there it's so interesting to hear how a larger company i mean i'm a little guy but we do i do pay attention and people like me we this is you know the stuff that we balance all the time. Do we pay attention to SEO? Do we pay attention to our readers? We pay attention to our own voice and our own stories that we want to share when most people are, are impatient and just want a recipe. Yeah. Um, it's a, dif it's a dif difficult balance act, but I it's so affirming also to know that a larger company and publication will, will consider the same things. So that's very interesting. Yeah. And, and you know what I really found over my years there and also what I find at King Arthur is that when you follow your heart, this sounds so cheesy. I can't believe I'm saying this, but like, but when you when you follow your when you feel when you follow your gut, let's say, and you you really just talk about something that you're passionate about, readers will follow. And when you put, you know, the more time and effort you put into a piece, I always found that so remarkable. Sometimes we would like, you know, commission a piece from a writer that was really expensive or that was really long or it took it just took a long time to get off the ground and we finally published it and I was like I love this no one's going to read it it would always get a lot of traffic it's as if readers could feel the love and effort you put into something and reward it with their time which is of course very valuable people's time um and I'm seeing that now even at King Arthur you know we just we've started this doing this thing called bake of the week every week we're coming out with a new uh recipe that we think is what everybody should be baking at this exact moment. And last week it was this honey beer miche. It's a miche, it's a sourdough. It takes, uh, I don't know, I forget exactly, but roughly 36 hours, you know, to make if it's none of that. A little bit labor labor intensive. Yeah, but I mean, most of it's inactive time, but yeah, it's, right. it's, a lot, it's intimidating to a lot of people. It's going crazy. Like people immediately got all these great reviews because I think they saw how much we love this recipe and how much we want to do to bake it and try it and people did so i just think that that is really encouraging that's always it was always really encouraging to me we follow your gut you follow your passion people tend to follow behind i think that's so true you just people people are smart and they can sense when there's enthusiasm behind a recipe Absolutely. or topic right or they can and they can sense when there's not right they can right? sense when it's fake yeah Okay, so how is it now working at King Arthur Baking? You've been there for since the springish, right? Yeah. Um, what is that like? King Arthur's like it's, it's an amazing place. Like I, um, what drew me to the role was the company's reputation. You know, um, not just for being the authority in baking. I knew that King Arthur was authority in baking because I was the site director of Epicurious. And yet when I was had to feed my sourdough starter or when I had a question about bread, I was going to King Arthur. You know, I wasn't going mm -hmm. to Epi. You know, I was going to the to the people who I thought were were more expert. You know, I, I would never have said that at the time, but that's the truth. <laughs> um so I no question that King Arthur was, was the authority in baking in this country and I would say probably the world. Uh but also drawn to it because it is an employee-owned company, because it's so mission driven because we have all these great initiatives around sustainability and um and dei work and and just i just got the sense that it's a company that really cared about people and the people who work there um and it is so i mean it's just a, it's been an incredible experience i inherited an incredible team um you know this is a 
this is the James Beard award winning IACP award winning team, like way before I got there, right? Now they've been mm -hmm. winning awards left and right. So it was sort of a dream to be able to come in and be, oh, hi, I'm the editorial director and I get an award-winning team to work with me now. And it's a, it's a, it's a dream. So it's really great. And like I said before, like it's been my dream to just talk about cakes and cookies all days. And, and that is literally what I do. I, I we talk about bread, cookies, cake, pizza all day long. It's just, I mean, all the good just stuff. to say that, you know, it's, it's great. Yeah. So do I, I have to really ask, are you baking more now than ever before? Or is it about the same? <laughs> I'm baking more, I'm probably baking the same amount, but I'm baking different things. Like I was definitely a bread baker before I joined King Arthur, but I had let it lapse. And so this has definitely gotten me back into it. And I'm really trying to just put my hours in. I need to be a good bread baker to be good at a lot of baking and a lot of cooking. You just have to put those hours in. And, you know, I think I had hit a wall before. I was like, I didn't really know. I don't know. I was just, I was doing some things wrong. I still do a lot wrong. Um, but I'm really motivated now to get some really delicious, really beautiful breads out of my oven in a way that I wasn't before. So I'm baking a lot more bread. I love it. I saw some of the bread that you were baking on your Instagram and I'm like, oh, he's already a pro. <laughs> well, what's funny about that is that I, I, you know, anything I put on my Instagram, I'm I, obviously I'm proud of. Um, there's a lot that does not go on there. <laughs> a lot of really <laughs> ugly breads that I eat anyway, that I, I, they're delicious, but they're just so ugly. Um, but I, one of the people who I'm blessed to work with at King Arthur is uh, Martin Phillip, who was, a, you know, a cookbook author in his own right mm -hmm. and was the head of the bakery. And he's who I call, he's, I call him my bread coach because I'm constantly, you know, asking him questions and he's advising me. And I send him pictures. I'm like, look, this is perfect. He's this great. And he writes back, he's like, looks great. Not perfect, you know. It's like, you know, he's like, you still got more to go, long way to go. I'm like, I want to be like, I'm done. I, I nailed it. And he's like, not quite. Slow down, you know. So I'm, I appreciate your compliments on the pictures. Uh, Martin's so sweet. And I blessed. wish we could all have a Martin. A baking coach would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So with this cookbook and the new release or the re the revision of it, I have to first ask, what's your favorite cookie? Okay, I would I came prepared for this question. I knew, it. I, I, I gonna, but I have two. Okay, and mm -hmm. both of the and actually both of the my favorites are new additions are are new to this oh, version. Um, so one is the rye chocolate chip cookies, which uses uh, medium rye flour. Um, I'm just really loving working with rye flour right now. I mean, the, the flavor that you get is just so incredible. It, you know, it's a nutritional powerhouse. Um, and it has qualities that are just, that sometimes are just better than AP or, you know, or whatever else you might use in a cookie. So the rye chocolate chip cookie is pretty classic chocolate chip cookie, but it has the rye so you get that flavor. And the thing I really love about it is that it uses melted butter. So it's, you can go from like, Mm -hmm. zero to 60 with this cookie like you can like you can have like hot cookies in an hour or, or less probably because it takes no time you don't have to soften the butter you, you can make these cookies without any forethought which i uh which i love about that um i this... love that because yesterday my daughter she just left for college and oh. she decided she was going to bake cookies last night and oh, so yeah. i'm like oh which recipe are you going to use she's like i'm going to use yours mommy i'm like okay yeah. then it turns out Yours was too complicated. 
for that service the very reason that you mentioned yeah so i'm gonna have to send her the rye one she will love that yeah did, did she leave she left for college today Oh no no just this oh. just this semester. So, oh okay oh yeah. got it okay. It still <laughs> feels new. <laughs> yeah no I was like you're holding up pretty well for somebody just just uh, oh just, just my, <laughs> um, the other cookie that's in here that I love are the salty sweet butter pecan cookies. That's what they're called. I wanted to call them butterscotch because they have butterscotch chips, but they're called mm -hmm. salty sweet butter pecan cookies. Sort of a chocolate chip cookie base, but it has, as the name suggests, pecans in it. It has those butterscotch chips. It has a really uh, nice dose of salt in the dough. But then the thing I think is so great about this cookie is you roll it, you know, into balls, and then you roll it through sugar and salt. It's a sugar and salt oh. mixture as, instead of just rolling just through sugar. And so you you really get that bliss point, right? Like you hit that bliss point because you've got all some major sweetness there because those butterscotch chips are really sweet. I don't know if you ever work with those. Um, mm -hmm. But then you've got that salty edge, like, you know, that tempering it. That so good. And you just have to keep on eating it because you're like, is it salty? Is it sweet? Is it salty sweet? Okay, I've just eaten 12 cookies. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a great cookie. Oh, that sounds so good. I love anything sweet and salty. Yeah. I just have to have that. I really feel like the nerdy part of me has to admit that I love the ingredient section of the cookbook. Because oh, let's talk about it. Yeah. There are so many helpful tidbits, like from flour to sugar and fats. And I really feel like this is essential reading for anyone who is a baker and is tempted to make substitutions <laughs> to a recipe. Did you feel like the book was, did you feel like that section was encouraging you to make substitutions or warning you against substitutions? I think a little bit of both. It warns you of what could happen, but it arms you with information of what you should consider if you are going to make those. You know, for example, like if you were going to use buttermilk, for example, and the hydration level and how you need to really think about that in your recipe. So I thought that was really good because at least if people read that, they'll know, hey, if I make this substitution, it could be a little different and it may not be the ideal result, but hey, at least I know what I can expect. Yeah, I'm so I think you nailed that. I was thinking about that earlier today about the voice of this book, which just to be clear to listeners, I did not write this book. So I'm, this is not me giving myself a pat on the back. I think the voice of this book is really great. And I think it's because it's exactly what you said, arms you with the knowledge doesn't it's not quite didactic, but it does tell you, you know, when you should and shouldn't, you know, mess with recipes. It's really walks that line of okay, here's, here's a recipe that's going to work and you should follow it. Be, you know, this is expert voice, but also allowing for for just reality, right? Like sometimes mm -hmm. you're just not going to go out there and you're, sometimes you're not going to have the ingredient that it calls for and you're going to want to you're going to want to make those cookies anyway. So allowing for the possibility of, of playing around and, and um, experimentation. I think they, I think they really nailed it. This is an old book, you know, this is a new, this book was written, I forget, but, but maybe what 15 Almost years ago 20 years ago yeah years a long ago. time so, so and it, and, it, and it was revised top to bottom so now it's new but they, that that voice is is i consider the king arthur voice and it was established a long time ago that kind of walking along the edge of expert but also realist yeah i love it it gives you the freedom to experiment but uh yeah it's just so valuable when especially you're right the reality like sometimes you might have sour cream versus yogurt and Exactly. Not, not everyone, like you can't just substitute it, but at the same time, it gives you that freedom to, to make that choice. 
Yeah. And if you really want cookies right now, yeah, you're going to go for, you know, like nothing's going to stop me if I, when I have that like hankering, not just to eat something sweet, but also to bake. And it's like 10 o'clock at night and I don't, I'm not going to go out to the store just for like some sour cream, but I have yogurt. I'm going to take the risk. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah. As everyone says, YOLO. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so the tips on measuring are very helpful too, but I'm so curious when you're baking at home, do you go by volume or do you go by weight? Always volume. Always. And it's really, I mean, it's, it's about accuracy for sure. Wait, did I just say always volume? Yeah. It did say you always mean, volume. And that's exactly weight? the opposite. I mean, always wait, <laughs> always wait. Strike that. You know, it's always wait. <laughs> um, I always, always wait because it's about the accuracy. Yes. But it's also about the dishes. Like, oh, yeah. It's so much easier to and, and less dishes to just weigh everything. And I'm really happy because I feel like it's become much more common in the States to put weights in for baking. Whereas even just five years ago, yes. a lot of baking books, a lot of recipes, you know, we were talking about Epicurious. We were not doing that at Epicurious five years ago. And by the time I left, we had started to. Um, King Arthur, I think, obviously has been doing it for a long time because as baking authorities, we've known that that's, that's the, you're going to get the best results that way. Um, but it's tough. I mean, what do you do? I assume you weigh as well. I weigh as well, yeah. but I will say sometimes like I, you know, you forget, like I've just been doing it by volume for so long that I'll forget to pull out the, <laughs> I'll forget yeah. to pull out the, you know, the measuring scale, the weighing scale. And, and then I'll like, Oh wait, I don't have to do this. I could just do it by weight. And it's so much better. Um, so I love that, you know, the, the chart in the book actually has, you know, so many weights, just everything, even like nuts and fruits. And I think that's very, very helpful. You know, that chart is, a, is one of the most popular. It's interesting that you highlight that because that's one of the most uh, popular pieces of content in the King Arthur universe in general. Like it's a oh, no very kidding. popular page on our site. Um, it's interesting. I, you know, hearing your answer hearing what you do, I, I think I do something similar I do usually go by volume when the recipe is written in a volume. When I don't have weights to go by, I don't often go to the King Arthur chart and and convert. Right. Um, and I wonder. I think I think I should. I think I would have tons of success doing that. The only part for me that's a big question is that everybody has a different measure for flour I, for, I think our cup is 120 oh let me look where is it oh, i'll find the conversion chart oh here is this it yes it is look i'm right on it okay so um so sorry if this is boring you could obviously no, not at all. all this out but um wait oh sorry yeah so exactly okay so our our cup of flour is 120 grams that's pretty light you know, because some people will go, you know, 126, some people are 130, 135 even. I mean, it varies from baker to baker. And when we work with outside bakers, we always ask them, okay, what's your flour? What's your cup weight? Because we need to, we need to know. So that's the only part that I feel like you, you sort of want to know what the bakers, what the specific bakers or the, the specific recipe writers weight of flour is. And kind of calibrate it with you guys. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you may not, 
get to get exactly what they had in mind. Uh, but everything else here, like, you know, converting baking powder, you know, from teaspoon to grams, eggs, you know, everything else, this, this conversion chart, I think is priceless. And I think even if you do use it for the flour, you're still going to get great results, Wayne, but I have not taken that step yet. So I'm sort of like you, I'm still, I'm, I'm like, I'm weight ideally. And then sometimes still, sometimes still doing volume if, if the recipe doesn't give me the option. Yeah. I'm in the process of kind of converting all of my older recipes and including the weights. So I feel like I've always got everything out anyway. And then every time I revisit a recipe, I'm just, all right, time to make sure I've got the weights there. <laughs> Are you, so have you determined what your cup of flour is? How much it I weighs? think it was closer to 130. 130. Yeah. yeah. At the double yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, in, I, I think that's, I think, you know, there's no wrong answer here, right? That, you know, we use, but it's, it's, crucial to know it's so useful to know mm -hmm. you know your cup of flowers 130 so when i make your recipes that's where i'm going for king arthur's is 120. yeah uh, the holidays are coming around and i love that there's a section dedicated to decorating which i usually don't have the patience for <laughs> but it just it, it intimidates me but what are your favorite holiday cookies that's a great question um you know I have holiday cookies on the brain because we're working on our big holiday cookie package that we're going to release on December 1st. Ish. If everything <laughs> goes well. Um, I don't celebrate Christmas because mm -hmm. I'm Jewish. So I celebrate Hanukkah. So my holiday, um, but I love Christmas. I actually grew up celebrating both because my mom was Catholic for most of my childhood and she ended up converting anyway. No one needs to know that much about my life, but anyway, okay. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I grew up celebrating both. So I have a deep love for like Christmas traditions and Christmas cookies. Um, my favorite cookies right now, it's evolved, but right now I'm a biscotti guy. I'm I like, kidding. I like the, I mean, just, I'm just finding myself as I, as my taste change as I grow older, I just want like maximum crunch, maximum crispiness. So, and I want, I'm always Reader, listeners can't see me, but I'm holding up my, my tea. I'm always drinking like a hot beverage. So like just always want like something to, to dip into it. So mm -hmm. we um really excited because we have like a really cool biscotti in this package coming up. Um, also, like th these are not biscotti, but they're sort of similar. I'm kind of interested in making this year the Hermits. Oh, so yeah. last, that was the first thing that I baked at, you know, at the start of pandemic. I used a recipe from Chef Joanne Weir. And that was the first hermit cookie I'd ever made, wow. and so good. That's good wait, that is, I gotta ask, like, what drew you to, to hermits? Are you on the northeast? No, you're in you're on the west coast. I'm on the west coast, but I grew up in the northeast. I grew up in New York, oh, okay. um, and so I was just looking for something molassesy, and yeah. I happened to see. I was just flipping through her book, and I saw the hermits. I'm like, huh, that is perfect. It's so good. So yeah. it's definitely in that biscotti line. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's got the same sort of similar shape and not as like crispy, obviously, but like, uh, but like, yeah, I love, I love that style of cookie, all those warm spices. It feels just so wintry and nice to me. And I think that hermits are making a comeback. I'm cool. just going to say that I'm just going to predict that. I mean, the hermits are on their way up because <laughs> uh, they're in our new book. Dor Dory Greenspan just released a book a couple weeks ago and she right. has a hermit recipe in there, which I thought was so interesting. Um, that's one thing I love about the King Arthur book. There's all these weird, I'm like looking at a page now, Joe Froggers. They're not weird, but they're like, to me, like I grew up in the Midwest. Like 
I, these some of these cookies are so unfamiliar to me. Like, what are Joe Frogger's? Tell me more about Hermits. Give me more of that Northeast cookie realness. Like, I want to experience all of it. Yeah, there's some really fun recipes in there, and it's my understanding is that a lot of the recipes came from King Arthur Bakers and like family recipes. I'm just so curious how that came about, like how curating all those came around. You know, this this the first version of this book uh, was written by PJ Hamill. Um, and I think she had a lot of assistance uh, in, in her co-writer, Susan Reed, um, two great bakers and writers who still are with uh, King Arthur. Um, PJ is sort of like a, a writer at large for us now. She's not she's not full time anymore, but she's still very much a part of the company. Um, and I think they had, you know, PJ started writing this newsletter for the company many, many years ago. And it was just you know, a paper newsletter. Mm. And she just established a rapport with King Arthur Bakers, you know, and they, you know, they just established like this back and forth. And that, you know, once a website was launched and, and emails were sent, that obviously that became so much easier to have that back and forth. But there was a real exchange, I think, of ideas and, and tips and tricks. And um, yes, King Arthur were the ones who were mostly putting out the recipes out there. But I think she got a lot of recipes from uh, particularly at that time, people in the Northeast, because, you know, it's a very Vermont, very Northeast mm -hmm. company. And that's where the sort of uh, the base of our of our business is. And for a long time, most of our readers and fans were in the Northeast. It's now absolutely grown to be countrywide. But especially when she was starting, she was getting, you know, I think lots of recipes from Vermont, from Massachusetts, from New York, from, you know, New Hampshire, from Delaware. So that's why you see a bunch of recipes in here that are accredited to, to other people and also why you get a lot of that Northeast regional uh, flavor. Mm -hmm. What I love about it is that I feel like it's not not quite like a church cookbook, but I kind of get a little bit of that feel. I think I mean? that's a really, really good point to make. I think that's a really apt observation. It does have that feel. It's got that, it's got a hominess to it. Mm -hmm. It's got a... Yeah, I love I love that comparison because those those church cookbooks are so cool. I mean, those. Right. I, yeah, I just I, I love that. Um, I will say this: the only place I think it's different is that these recipes are like super super tested. They're like yes. right, 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 right. They're so like they are like foolproof. You never know in those <laughs> church cookbooks, right? You might those are going to be a hit or miss. <laughs> Right, right. The recipe writing isn't so stringent, yeah, right. <laughs> which is why King Arthur is such a great authority. I, I really have come to rely on King Arthur. Just first of all, the flour is the only one I'll use. And of course, the recipes are always reliable. So um, a lot of people, I'm just going to ask you one quick question before I have like this little rapid fire at the end. But a lot of people don't realize that you could actually visit King Arthur in Vermont. So I was just wondering really quickly if you have any tips for people who might want to stop by if they're in the area. Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, my tip would be stop by because the bakery is killer. I mean, the bakers in our bakery are some of the best bakers in the country, some of the best bed breakers, some of the best pastry makers. I, I went there the other day. You know, I'm based in New York, so I get up to Vermont about once a month. It was the first time I'd had our sticky bun. And oh. I was just like telling everyone to come. It's like, have you had our sticky bun? It's incredible. It's like the best sticky bun I've ever had. And they're like, yeah, it's been on the menu for 20 years. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think um, it's super busy at this time. Uh, you know, we're talking late October. So 
leaf peeping season is huge there. It's a great time to visit. Lots of energy, you know, lots of, you know, uh, seasonal ingredients, like apples, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, in the bakery. So if you go at this time, a tip is go early, you know, because it does, you know, it is popular. Um, and I would just make a day of it because it's not just the bakery. It's also the store, which is a baker's paradise. Mm-hmm. And it's the school. And if you're comfortable having an in-person experience right now, um, the baking school is unmatched. And it's, it doesn't matter what level baker you are, if, if you're a beginner or if you're like a pro, like you can find something at the school uh, that will teach you new things. And it's such a great experience. People come out of that baking school so enthused. They buy so much equipment because they're going to go home and bake so much more now that they've had this class. It's really, it's really a, a very cute thing. Oh, one day I have to go up there. It's been so long since I visited Vermont, but yeah. 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 All right. So I've got some quick closing questions, if you don't mind. What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go-to meal? Pasta with canned tuna packed in oil, capers, whatever herb I have in the fridge, chili flakes, maybe some harissa. I mean, something spicy in there, but really it's like a total pantry pasta situation, the can of tuna, the box of pasta, and then whatever I have in the fridge. Perfect. Capers save everything. Yeah. <laughs> What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? My mom's coffee cake. It's a poppy mm. seed cinnamon coffee cake. It's not, it's a little fussy, but it's, 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 it's the best coffee cake I've ever had. Oh, that sounds so good. Poppy seeds and coffee cake. Yeah. Sour, it's sour cream, poppy seed, buttermilk, cinnamon. Yeah. It's, just, it's got everything. Oh, sounds good. Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? I'd say I'm in the middle, but I do go through about three or four kitchen towels every day. Like I have, I have at least 50 or 60 kitchen towels because I'm constantly going through them and I, and I don't like to use paper towels. So I am, I do, I do a lot of kitchen laundry. So I think that means like, and I'm in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. What's a good kitchen tip that you can share? You know, this is a big concept in my book, which I think is a really good tip. If you, if it's the concept of next overing. So mm-hmm. instead of thinking of leftovers, think of next overs, which is basically the tip is it takes just as much time to roast one sweet potato as it does four. It takes just as much time to boil one egg as it does eight. And if you are th- always thinking ahead, like, okay, I'm, I need I only need one sweet potato for dinner tonight, but if I put three more in there, I'll have sweet potatoes I can use just like so quickly. I can turn into a curry really quick, or I can turn into like a sweet potato pancake with chives or whatever mm-hmm. um, down the line in two days, just always being prepared. And so not thinking of, oh, I got to use these leftovers, but like, oh, I'm going to make next over. So I have the base of a meal coming down the line. I love that. I love leftovers because it means that you can reimagine the next meal. So love that tip. Okay. And the last question, every week I try to share five little things, something that made me smile that week. Is there something that made you smile this week? You know, the thing that made me smile this week is were my coworkers. Oh. I just, I just have, you know, the, the, the best, the best coworkers. I mean, they're, they're just such smart and genuine and empathetic and, or rather empathic people. And they all care so deeply about baking, which is, just, which is this kind of connecting thread between us. And I was just thinking earlier this week, I'm so lucky to, to get to spend time with these people and, um, so that was, that was something that was making me smile earlier this week. I love that. It's so nice. Coworkers make a job even better, maybe more important than the job itself. So that's great to hear. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes, yeah, if you're lucky, sometimes the coworkers make the job bad, but in my case, yes. they, make, they make it amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, thank you so much for spending time with me. Where can everyone find you and the cookbook and everything that's happening at King Arthur? Yeah, so King Arthur, obviously, you can come to our site, kingarthurbaking.com, uh, King Arthur Baking on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, the book uh, is available any, anywhere books are sold. Uh, love it if you, you know, it's available on our site, available at your local bookstore. Uh, and I'm just at my name, at David Tamarkin, Instagram. Awesome. David, thank you for everything today, and I hope to chat with you another day. It was, it was so fun talking to you. I really loved it. Thank you. Thanks. I'm so glad you were able to join us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. Thank you again to David Samarkin for joining us today. I've been dog-earing so many recipes, so if my family is listening, be prepared for cookies. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.